You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Spotlight Podcast. This is episode four, legacy number 503. It's still going to mess me up every time. I'm here with my man, Matt. What up, Matt? What up, Jim? I wish that that intro was a little longer. As I hit it, I realized I don't know what episode number we're on. I had to really quickly (laughs) go over to Transistor, where it's hosted, and try to get to it right as we went. But here we are. I don't remember what I said. Episode four, right? Yeah. So we're Legacy 503. I'll yep. get it. But here we are. We have a weird week. This week, there are a couple annuals, a couple books. The big book, though, that me and Matt have been raving over to, is that God's by Jen. We're actually not doing that here. In fact, I haven't even read all of it. You haven't even started it. Correct? No, I haven't even cracked it open yet. And what the play is, is that our uh, two uh, pals, Ruben and Jason over on the Weird Dose of X. That's more of a thing of theirs. Though it's not X-Men, they are going to do it. So I'm joking. Probably somebody's already turned this off like, what? That jerk (laughs) turned it off. They're not talking gods. Thing is, if we talked about gods on this show, we may not end it in a week because that's a long book. This is one of those in and out things. What's that? I was told it was a deep dive that they were going to take into God. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, yeah. Oh, their their podcast might be eight hours long. (laughs) That's what they they can have all the fun. They ain't got time for that. So we end up, I'm not even, I, I only started it. Very wordy. I'm sure that they will deep dive, find some things to like about it. But I do think overall, probably better suited. Yes. For them, Agreed. the dummies, me and you, we get to do the other things. And we end up having Doctor Strange going to do the Alien Annual. I'm going to be doing that with my man Zach and then finishing off with the Ghost Rider Annual with my man Bray. So we have a bunch of voices on here with books that are kind of, like I said, they're they're not the biggest things. Annuals never are. But to do something with me and you, because me and you started off, we get going. I did catch up on Doctor Strange. Again, I don't know that that's going to wow anybody that we're talking about it, but it is doing okay. Uh I actually like it enough. I'm not the biggest Jed McKay fan. I'll admit, I have been one who has said I kind of lost interest even in Moon Knight, and that's the big one that you're going to end up, you know, talking about if you bring up Jed McKay. And so in that, I also haven't really been into his adventures. No. What I really like was his very first mini of Black Cat, or actually series. I oh, that really was great. Liked that. Yeah, that, that was really was good. That was my kind of, oh, man, I like this guy, so I was following him around. And maybe the thing is, as you play it out, Doctor Strange, because even the death of Doctor Strange, that sort of thing, it was okay. But... He gets really, he's more of that cosmic stuff. He has the, like we said, Moon Knight, Doctor Strange, Avengers has become whatever. And that's not really my thing. So maybe that's part of it as well. But but leading into this issue, I will tell you that at points, it, it got wordy. It got a little wordy. You had a lot of people standing around talking. And I was like, oh, my God, Matt said this was good. I think he's a liar. I think he <laughs> straight up lied to me. But. Once I, I'll tell you, once I got past the deal of, okay, here's the issue that pretty much spells out general strange and the whole war of the seven spheres, that almost, I think that if it was me reading it and not doing this, that might have been maybe like, I don't know if this is for me, but getting past that, 
Now it's pretty good. And this issue, I think, is one of the better of the whole series. I really like this. Well, it's maybe because it's quick, but I do like it. But it is. We'll start right now. Doctor Strange, number eight. It is the Doctor, the General, and the Warlord, written by Jeb McKay, art by Pasquale Ferry, colors Heather Moore, letters by V.C.'s Corey Petit. I, I think maybe because we're jumping into it at number eight, I'll, I'll read the setup here so people will kind of know, because I don't know how many people are actually reading the book. A few years ago, Stephen Strange was enlisted by the Vashanti in the War of the Seven Spheres, a metaphysical battle against their foes, the Trinity of Ashes. That lasted 5,000 years, but the war was long and cruel, and General Strange made horrific compromises to win. In the end, a truce was settled on one condition. The Vashanti must separate those 5,000 years of memories from Strange and seal them in a crystal prison bound by Strange's own life force. But when Dr. Strange was momentarily dead, General Strange escaped. Now the General is building an army using the souls of children, including Clea's baby sister, unborn sister, I'll, I'll tell you. As Stephen attempts to shore up his defenses, his wife Clea has come to the General seemingly enticed by his offer to join him. So you end up having this like future monstrosity of Dr. Strange. Even He didn't even have a body. He ended up, and he is the one, if you're reading it, He's the one who's been going around and killing all the magic people in the deal and using their body parts to make this crazy body, which I don't know. I, I, I think you could have done that a little better because when I see him, he's not that cool looking and it kind of throws me off. Yeah, he's got that big beard and the, the shaved head. He's, yeah, he's got like the Amish beard. He's got yeah. the eyeball in the middle. He's not very sexy. He's yeah, got no like a Macklemore haircut, right? He's got all the bad things. <laughs> His head's halfway on fire. <laughs> That's the thing. He's- so when you when you have Clea come, because we do start out, and you did have it, I did look back. He comes down, and seriously, if you have ever seen the movie Tombstone, what he ended up, he said lapdog so many times. It got me so irritated how many times he kept calling Stephen Strange lapdog. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Curly Bill in Tombstone, who kept saying "law dog," and I wanted to smack him, so I wanted to smack that guy too. But he ends up where at the end he's like, "I don't want to see you ever again, Doctor Strange, you lapdog." But Clea, hey, meet me where it all started, and he goes off. Now, in all of this, it's a weird play because it, it does seem cool. And it gets kind of big, but in the meantime, I wondered if when if they did finish this war, it almost felt like Stephen already knew when this was done, they will reset me to go back home. Whether or not the memories, are, I, I think he'd want to forget these. Oh, it's 5,000 years of nonstop war. That's all this guy's been... Yeah. I remember at the beginning when he went off to this war, and it's again, it's kind of like the, the book, The Forever War. This isn't a, a dimensional type deal, so when it's over... He'll go back. A second has transpired, but, you know, all those years he did. I think you would want to have all that taken away anyway. Mm-hmm. And so when he does that, even when he went in the beginning, he's like, listen, they're not letting me age and they're going to reset me. So when they do end up deciding to do that, it almost felt like I would have been OK with it. You know, now, in the meantime, you make it into a separate entity then of here's general strange. And then here's Doctor Strange, General Strange's, you know, the memories and all that in the essence in a crystal. But when he comes out, if it was me, I don't know that I'd be mad at Doctor Strange. I don't, Like, you might be the idea of, oh, man, you didn't look for me, but how could he? Oh, man, you did this. You're just a lapdog, he kept saying. But I don't know. I, I don't know that yeah. I'd be mad at myself. What I love, though, in, in this issue is when 
you, you have Doctor Strange go to face the Vashanti, who are sus as hell, and we know oh, that. Yeah. But at one point when he leaves and he's like, listen, you guys are going to get me so mad that you're going to have to put me in a crystal. I'm like, they already did. Like, <laughs> that was you before yeah. again. And uh, it was so weird the way he played it. But you do start out with Clea. And you knew that she was duping, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they, he they goes pretty heavy that, that she's not. Like, she's just betraying Doctor Strange, the yeah, real Doctor Strange. Yeah, they to really play that. But you know that's not yeah. happening, right? Because. Yeah. While you have in this book, and this is where I thought was odd, and while you have in this book where Clea, she's a warlord, she wants to, you know, really knock heads, she goes against when she was Doctor Stranger, the Sorcerer Supreme, even on Earth, she ended up wanting to get a little more physical, she was, you know, it was that whole play. I mean, she's related to Dormammu, for crying out loud, so, but... You have also really played the idea that I, I never questioned that she loves Stephen and the idea that she loves him even because how much different he is and like they complement each other and she admires how, you know, good he is and things like that. So when she goes to talk to General Strange here, she's like, yeah, that whip, he, he doesn't weak. do anything. He was. And we saw when they actually talked and you didn't get the idea at that point that you know, Doctor Strange was like sad or scared. He was mad. He seemed sad about what was happening and whatnot. But when they're walking around, I'm like, oh yeah, she's gonna stab him in the back, but she literally does at one mm-hmm. point. But she's going. She did take it a little too far though. Starts making out with him at one point. I wouldn't make out with him. He looks terrible. But you yeah. end up where while that's going on, I do like the the play where General Strange says, "Well, where is he now?" Where is that wimp now? Ah, you saw I'm a real man. That's the big play. It's almost like toxic strange here. But ah, I'll leave that guy. He's got too <laughs> many feelings, that dude. Like, look at me. I'm hardened from war. And she's like, oh, he's taking counsel instead of taking action. I'm like, it's a pretty good line. Because then we go to, you know, Dr. Strange, Stephen, and he is talking to the Vashanti. And again, they're, they're sus. And he starts telling him about this. And I, I do like at one point that they say that he rebuilt his body. General Strange rebuilt the body so much they can't even track him. And so every time they go to it, just leads back to Stephen because of his soul. But they end up saying, we're afraid he's coming back for revenge. He's going to take revenge on us. But we do think he's going to go at the Trinity of Ashes as well. So I wonder which it'll be first. And then Stephen just starts getting pissed off. And mm-hmm. says, you know, you guys deserve what you get. You ended up doing this. You didn't. Why didn't you kill him? Why didn't you get rid of those memories? And they don't even say anything. And he says it's because you wanted to use them again if you had to. Seems a little odd, like that whole play. But you could go with that, right? Yeah. I mean, could they just create another one from pull a, pull a Doctor Strange out of the timeline and just age him up and? Imagine that they're like the Vashanti. I mean, they're the Vashanti, but they're like, okay, listen, we need to get General uh, Strange back. Like, all right, who's going to make his body? Because he does, and that's the big play of this. Usually, in a story like this, you're not really going to end it. You may end up like at one. At no point does it look like General Strange just wants to forget. Like, please let me die. But in this, that's just a body. That he has made, a, I just think that they're going to destroy that somehow. Probably revert and get all of those magic. They're going to come back somehow, and then his essence will just be floating around, or back in a 
and a, and a what's it called crystal i like just seems yeah. weird overall you I know find what i mean hard, i find it hard to believe that anybody that's five thousand years old would care about anything that that like dr strange or clea or anything like that he would have so much other stuff on his mind like and it's not like he was there and they should have shown it at points like we didn't realize that when people were walking by that crystal on the mantle if you look really hard you see in there that first off general strange had tattooed strange on his knuckles and then he was doing like lots of push-ups and stuff <laughs> he was like in the yard doing things like they always have just thinking of it but yeah five thousand years he's all upset and then to do that you had to play because at one point even during the war he went from don't call me doctor call me general i've lost my humanity even went against his buddies and it I'm took him a long, long time did. to crack though i did and it when really he did. cracked though like you might think that maybe he's had some time to think this through he gets out and starts kidnapping kids mm-hmm. like it's even worse and at one point, he kind of, they, like, yeah, you know, the kid thing, it's kind of a little, you know, off. But what else do I do? This is war, baby, because he's talking a big game to Clea. While, again, Dr. Strange goes off and says, Vishanti, you guys are a-holes. You guys set this up. Because basically what happens, he goes to the Vishanti and says, shut it down. Yep. Get rid of this. Stop it. And they say, we can't. It's nothing we can do. And then he's like, this is ridiculous. And then. That's where I like the idea that you're you're kind of led to believe, oh, you know, little wimp Stephen, but he pretty much tells the Bashani to go to hell and leaves and says he he might do some things now that they might want to get rid of him before. And it, it kind of makes sense. He's going to go to this trinity of ashes. So, And, and I'd love to see that in a real conversation because pretty much you're talking to a, uh, a floating suit, a heart, a, a monstrosity wheel, and a yeah. sword. <laughs> it's like, I don't what like are these it. guys going to say? Yeah. It, and these are, the Trinity of Ashes are from the 90s. It's from an issue, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, number 49, 1992, by Len Kaminsky. The thing that makes me laugh, though, is when I see them, it just reminds me of that crap going on in the Avengers that ends up making me all wacky and, and bored. It seems like he kind of lifted that and then grabbed this in. feels weird because when yeah. you see it, when you're reading the Avengers in this, you kind of think, okay, maybe these are connected. And also, okay, he's kind of mixing ideas, but this isn't his. This is they have a similar look, definitely, in the Avengers. I'm pretty sure there's a guy wearing a jacket like that. Yeah, ashes. It seems like, like these, but they always feel like nonsense. Like, I end up <laughs> going like, all right, like, hey, which one do I have to talk to? The incorporeal suit or the... Yeah. The sword. The sword with an eyeball on it. Like, the idea, like, hey, we need you to talk. I don't want to talk That's to a That's the sword from Thundercats, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like it. I'm like, it's got I don't the eyeball need, on it. I don't want to talk to Thundercats' sword. Give me somebody <laughs> I can actually look at the face. And that other monstrosity on the left, dude. I mean, I mean, that thing is. It's like the end of a fleshlight on a wheel. But, <laughs> but bad. Like, oh, like yeah, this, this is horror show With going bacteria, on. But, bacteria growing in a fleshlight. Yeah, just imagine that thing is like a mad ball gone even worse. Probably as it talks, it's just like lips and crap are falling mm. off. Teeth everywhere. You need that. You look at that thing, you get hepatitis. And then oh. luckily you can just kill yourself with sword man. The funny thing, I, I went to look up on the Wikipedia what the actual names were because I was going to quiz you because I know you wouldn't know them. No the problem way. Is they, they, they end up because on the Wikipedia you'll have Trinity of Ashes, right? Okay, there's the team. I see the page. Then they'll go, okay, I'm going to click on this individual. Per-. But then they just have this. There's only one picture. They don't even tell. So I didn't know which was which. I'm like, uh, uh, is that sword guy? Or is that <laughs> tuxedo? <laughs> no. 
that's so ridiculous. They're not supposed to make it's you gentleman laugh as ghost much as they make is what that thing is. Yeah, it is. It's like he, you without know, the hat. Yeah, he lost the hat and the monocle, which is the most <laughs> coolest thing of it, right? So he doesn't have that. So he's not quite gentleman ghost now. He's like kind of like formal kind of coat ghost. Yeah, and he's he's flashing everybody because he's not wearing pants. Yeah, like all of a sudden he like comes to and he's just a big nude dude like so you end up and actually we say that i'm not so sure that that's not female either so i oh, don't it know could be yeah yeah i don't know the one of them is sign i'm telling you these guys the trity of ashes when they're supposed to be the big bads they make me giggle like they really look like nobody would respect these guys they mm-hmm. just look like ridiculousness i wouldn't want to talk to a sword or an empty soup but you then go and see Clea, and she's making out with the future Doctor Strange and all those awful body part pieces, and then she pulls out a knife. And this is the weirdest deal. Like, you have to have this, but then it can't do anything. So she does – I mean, she runs through General Strange. Then yep. she slices him again. But then it feels as if – and she says, this is a magic knife. Mysterium. affects magic. You can't get it. He ends up disarming her by just breaking, uh, you know, a table or a chair with the wood then goes and embeds into the thing and goes. But what happened to the, the cuts and things? He's still kind of bent over. Doesn't seem that effective. He's got a little bit of blood on him, but not what you would think. His gut should be spilling out. Yeah, like at one point it even looks, if you see that one, enough to die for him when she... It almost feels like they forgot that he was bleeding, and they like splattered blood. <laughs> this was the weirdest the panel, part, right? Yeah, it's because it's it's a magic anti magic knife, so he uses wood to take it out of her hand, but he's still using magic to control. But isn't the it wood. funny? And he tries to explain it. He says, make any "Even sense. though I'm using magic, wood doesn't go with magic, so I can so." But that's in this issue. That's one of the wow moments. That's not a wow moment. The, to the me, wow it was moment the- isn't to disarm Clea. With a piece of wood. It's the stabbing of him. That was the wow moment. That's the wow moment. And then that gets pushed aside. And then he says, but listen, Clea, I do have some other wood that is quite magical. Because <laughs> you know that he has wood right now. He's making out. Oh, He's yeah. all excited, right? So they're facing off. And she says, I I was duping you. I'd never help you. My husband is the greatest. And he's not a wimp. And then I like that you end up General Strange goes down the list. Listen. Do you like him enough to kill for him? She's like, yes. Do you like him enough? To- I thought he was just going to keep going. It's like 21 <laughs> questions. Do you like him enough to then go and eat like the worst sandwich you've ever eaten in your life? She's like, I don't know about that. Because, I, you know, there's some bad sandwiches. So I ended up having a really good sandwich that I'll tell you about later. So nice. they end up, they're going to fight. And then, boom. That kind of ends that scene. Yep. We go back because Doctor Strange, after the Vashanti shut him down, he goes back to the Sanctum Santorum, and you end up having bats there who will always be a narc. It, there's so many times because he's always there. So anytime anybody comes back to the mansion, he's just there to say, oh, they left. They said this. I love bats. Yeah, he's, he's one of my favorites. I love him. Uh, but yeah, he's like, and he'll definitely, I mean, he's not going to keep secrets from no, because he sees everything because he's a ghost. So he just, just he's oh, bored. He best. wants to talk to somebody. So he just tells you whatever. And, and it's so funny because he is there and he's, he's a loyal dog. And then Steven's like, get the hell out of here, Bats. You don't want to see this. And he keeps going with it. I'm going to summon something. I'm going to do something you do not want to see. 
you're going to end up not liking it. And Oh, my God, are you mad? I am going to go into the madness now. And he ends up opening a portal. And now he's talking to a empty suit, a sword with an eye and whatever the hell that is in a wheel. It is the Trinity of Ashes. I don't even look at them and think of Trinity of Ashes. No. I think of Trinity of Nonsense is what I think. And he gets in there. It's kind of cool. And the whole play is, listen, the Vashanti, they're sus. They ended up doing this. This was your treaty, but I need help. I need help because a, they're, you end up General Strange is out. He's coming for you. I like the idea they're just always just hanging out. Like, you know what I mean? Also, how do you kill an empty suit? It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> like in the sword. And, and in that, like I could say at one point, maybe it would be cool for the suit to grab the sword, but what do you do with that monstrosity in a wheel? You know what you do with it. You well, know you what do you do with that. With that's, that's when the dimensions <laughs> get dark. Oh, my goodness. But we then go back, and it does look like, like Clea's getting the crap kicked out of her. You have all this playing. And the big play was back to where it all began was a... Uh, uh, what's it called? A farmhouse that Stephen Strange. Yeah, I didn't buy that because he said he's from Philadelphia. My family, but my family's from Nebraska. We moved there. Yeah, it's kind of convenient. You know, if you're from Philadelphia, the first thing you do is get the hell out of Philadelphia. (laughs) He he didn't mention he actually had an apartment on Ogons Avenue. You don't want to be there. (laughs) Now, you'd rather deal with that wheel monstrosity than live on Ogons Avenue. But you end up where the ending comes where it looks like the it is the Trinity of Ashes has granted Stephen the deal. I really thought at this point he was going to show up wearing that suit with that sword. I thought they were going to kind of envelope around him, That'd and then that cool. monstrosity would, would be like, like that better. A weird demon face, like you know the deal, but you, or just a ring that he has on his finger. Yeah, it could be you know, or like he's like you know is is that one of the Trinity of Ashes in your pocket? Are you happy to see me? <laughs> Yeah, it just, it just lives down in his pants somewhere. It's just there. It's like, I, I don't want to say any curse words in this, but it's like in Wanted by Mark Miller. It's like Johnny 2Ds. Mm-hmm. He's in there yelling and screaming. He's like, Sh- shut up there. Down. Yeah, really? He went down. He had no balls. <laughs> All right, but that's the end of this it one. It could be uh, the, the eye that he wears, too. It could have been that on his, uh, yeah. his chest. I mean, chest he there. is, obviously, they have up the air here, and he's darker. You got to go to the darkness. To then attack even this, with the the word bubbles are black too, so he is kind of possessed. I know you didn't watch it; was wasn't even that great. But on uh, Disney, there was a what if animated okay. thing, and there was an episode where it was like Dark Doctor Strange, and it was basically this. It looks cool, actually. I mean, sometimes that uh, you see this too when he gets that. Like, I don't even know; I didn't see the animated deal, but you go like full out classic looking Doctor Strange, but make him dark. Yeah, and that kind of is the play here. It's pretty yeah. cool. The art's pretty good. Throughout, oh yeah, the art, the colors you are just great. Have monstrosity too. wheel, but yeah, it looks great. The colors look great too, so I do like that. Uh, what would you give it? I just give this a seven and a half. Yeah, I'm seven and a half. The reason I like the series more now is I think it picked up after the the uh, general strange stuff. Once that was established, and he had like a real bad guy to go against, then it made more sense. Yeah, and, and if you haven't been reading it, there's a lot of one shot feeling issues. And there were a lot of issues that like you're like, okay, we're gonna deal with the dark thing, kinda do it. And it's yeah. been setting it up in the background, but then you're going off to Clea's mom's wedding. Yeah, a lot of it was Tybro just picking up and, the pieces of uh the death of Doctor Strange. Yeah, the death of Doctor Strange. But it was I'll give I'll give Jeb McKay a good little props though, because all the people behind the like all the people dying, 
that was General Strange. And they were blaming Clea. So that was pretty cool. And kids disappearing as well. That was kind of put in as well and, and kind of came to a head. But you're right. Once you got the idea, oh, my God, General Strange, that makes sense. You're back. Oh, my God. that It, it upped the ante. It gave you yeah. something to look forward to and for Stephen and Clea to actually attack. So I do like that. And maybe Baxel saved the day. He's still there. In the Sanctum, also, I want to spell out, too, I really like Wand with Pandora and Wong. Mm-hmm. Wong, yeah. But every time I go to talk about it, Wand and Wong, they, they don't go well for me in my head. They, they end up getting mixed up. But, yeah, 7-5, yeah, it's consistent, pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's not the greatest book, but it is actually. No, it was a pretty down down week for Marvel this week. Yeah. So I think this is But I'm glad that we added positive. That's why when we start going through things, weeks like this are pretty cool because now we'll be talking about this book. And yep. eventually we'll add more and more books as we go. But that's that. Now we get to go to annuals, and really, it's going to make this seem like Shakespeare. Some of these these annuals are always a sketchy thing, but we're going to go off to the alien annual. I'm sure that I will yell at Zach because he actually wanted me to do it with him because he's a fan of the Declan Shelby alien book, which I hadn't read. This is an annual, so you jump in. It's a mostly silent issue with just Xenomorphs, so I, I don't know what we're going to talk about. It'll be fast. We'll Good yeah, luck, or it'll Good be luck. like, but uh, we'll go to that right about now. All right, and as I said, we're here with Alien Annual Number One. I'm here with my man Zach, who is a big Alien fan. What up, Zach? What's up, Jim? What up? And this is kind of weird. I ended up yeah. telling you, yeah, we'll do this. This will be cool. I haven't read any of the Aliens since the very first well, way way back. Thankfully, I have, deal. Jim. Yeah, and we're gonna have a silent issue, which is kind of weird to talk about a lot of times on the podcast. We. Me and Eric have struggled with those before as well, so that'll be the deal. But it is written by Declan Shelby, art by Danny Earls, colors by Ruth Redman, letters by VCs Clayton Coles, and I ended up going, here's the thing, if you don't know what's going on, you can get through this real quick, because it's just the (laughs) xenomorph, you end up having some parasitical spider things, but you actually said, that this ties in and actually explains things for the Declan Shelby Yeah, this is Shelby kind of deal. like a prelude to his previous series he just wrapped up. But, I mean, it technically is still a standalone, but it's a it's a prelude. It just it tells you what happens before the events of that book. So Yeah, so it's a prequel kind of yeah, issue to get into it. And like you said, when you read this, it actually gave you some things that you wanted it to know. But it gives so it much later. context. And, uh might have been better served to actually happen before the last yeah, series. It should have been the first weird. issue of the series that came before. It should have been, because if you read that first series, uh, kind of spoilers for this, but we're about to talk about it anyway. These new type of xenomorphs show up that are like hybrids, and you're like, where the hell did these things come from? This issue finally explains it. So Yeah. Yeah. And so if you ended up getting this, though, and you haven't read any of the Declan Shelby stuff, I think you'd be a little... Not even just confused, but I know Wes from Thinking Critical, he was furious. He actually got (laughs) this, and he didn't even know what the hell was going on. He said it was one of the issues that infuriated him, only because he didn't read the other things. And here's the thing, that's how annuals go. Sometimes they're standalone stories, sometimes they just go right in to continue the current storyline, or other times it is kind of giving you info as a prequel, and it is setting up the next series. That is coming out from Declan Shelby And I, I want to know How many number one alien books have we had Like is this the third one now right Am I mistaken no, is, or do we have four This is the fourth one <laughs> Jeez and I'm not talking all the yeah. time I'm just talking recently Yeah for Marvel This is the fourth one Marvel's on This is going to be the fourth volume of Alien from Marvel 
Yeah, so in like the fourth years. volume in, in a couple years. This is getting to be like Squirrel Girl-esque in my mind. Yeah. So they it, very I much have decided to make it into a miniseries. Yeah, I don't know if it's one. working. The whole deal. Now, you said you're even in a group that loves yeah. Declan Shelby's stuff, but I don't know. This one, again, there is a story that's being told here. But if you don't really know or you don't have an investment, it is a pretty weird deal. At one point, I actually thought we were just redoing The Simpsons when you end up having the frogs being introduced to Australia. And I was waiting for the big boot to come out and (laughs) and kick Bart in the ass there because, you know, you have this kind of deal. And actually, I thought all to me, all I thought this was going to be is to give you an idea that here's a planet. You end up where it's desolate. You end up having the xenomorphs show up and all of a sudden. Through all this, they multiply more. And then at the end, I thought we were going to get like the alien wazoo planet where it was over the top, just aliens to show how they do. But there is something more to this, especially if you've been reading. So you're going to have to fill me in. Yeah, right I'll, now I'll give you context as we go through the issue. So well, we're going through it now. You tell okay. me what the, tell me what's going on. OK, so we open up the book and we see a bunch of xenomorphs on this ship floating through space. And apparently they get pulled into the orbit of this planet known as I think it's LV-695. That is the ice planet that we will see in the previous series Declan Shalvey did. And this takes place, like, I want to say 20 years before then, I want to say something like that. But they crash land on that planet. And when they get there, there's this native species. They're kind of like these snow crab aliens. It's yeah, they really look weird. like like spider crabs in yeah, my they're, mind. They're, they're highly armored. They're, they're arctic colored. You know, they're white. And uh, the xenomorph face huggers and whatnot, they start going after them and at first, they're pretty unsuccessful because they have, like, armor, but eventually the facehuggers, they end up going down the throats of them so they could impregnate them. And then we get this new type of xenomorph, which are now kind of like a hybrid of them. Yeah, because uh, are you familiar with DNA reflex, Jim, with aliens? No, I'm not. Okay. I, I, I'm saying that the idea that you say xenomorph, that's where my deal ends. Like, I don't <laughs> okay. know much at all about aliens, <laughs> I'm right. telling you. Okay, so... A xenomorph is the designation of what those creatures are. That's like their like biological name. We call them xenomorphs. And each one has a different designation. So, for instance, when one comes from a human, that's known as a xenomorph 121, I believe. It's like XX121. And if a new one gets created, then it's a different number. So, like, this one, for example, would be XX122 or whatever, right? And this one, each time the DNA reflects what it is, any time a face hugger attaches itself to a host... So whether it be like a dog or a cat, any species, if it attaches itself to a species, it takes on those characteristics when the alien gets born. So like, for instance, you've seen Alien 3, right? Okay, you know how that one came out of the dog? Well, that one was quadpedal. That one only ran on all fours. It was more feral. It acted a little bit different. That's because it's it combining came from a dog. the DNA and the, the genetics of, of the host when it comes exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's so. what DNA reflex is. So that's what we see here. That's why this one looks different and acts different. It's because it came from a different alien creature. Well, that's so, crazy because there's also the JIM reflex, and that's for me to throw this out the window at some point. <laughs> but I didn't. I ended up deciding that I was going to let you do it. And just as an aside, I, I actually did think the art was okay. But when I was yeah. reading this, it's funny because I, I just saw that Daniel Warren Johnson has uh a yeah a very he does cover. and it looks really good and i want i said it and i don't even i might have said it earlier somewhere on some podcast this week that kind of want daniel warren johnson to do a series with alien i think that yeah, that, would that would be, be awesome. really cool. Would be really cool would be awesome but back to this one again declan shelby and you said people have fans whatnot but 
I don't know. I don't think this alien annual is going to get people like going back. It's a weird no. play, but keep no. going. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So they get birth. The new xenomorphs, the hybrids, or whatever. Uh, we're just calling them. From what I heard, they're being called the Arctic xenomorphs. Well, they end up becoming very territorial, so they start fighting with the other xenomorphs, the regular ones that we saw from the ship, and they start going to war while they are fighting. The uh, ice collapsion happens, like an avalanche or whatever. And they all get buried in the ice. And then time goes by. And then we see like maybe 20 years past the camera, how long it is. And that's when we see some humans arrive. That is the research team from the first series. Okay. And they're going to end up running into these. or Yeah. They're going to end up unburying them and they're going to get loose. And then their war is going to resume. And that's basically how it ties into that series. But not only do we get that, and that's basically the issue, Jim. That's basically what happens in this issue. So I do like the Arctic ones. They look like they have like kind of like skeleton, like it looks yeah. like they're like bikers. Yeah, that's thing. the armor that they got <laughs> from those snow crabs. I call them, and when I see fights like this, what I realize at this point, even though it's a snow planet, we're still having East Coast, West Coast rap war. And the Arctic <laughs> ones, that's Biggie, and the others, they're Tupac, is what I go with. So I, I, I'm getting it now. Yeah. I, I just have to yeah. see it through my lens is what I yeah. do. Uh, and again, you're talking, it's one of those things with a silent issue that it, it's really odd the way that some of them hit, some of them don't, some of them, you almost think that a a uh, a silent issue should be more universal. It should be the idea that you're telling it through visual storytelling, that you're not using any language, you're not using that. So, but this was tough for me. I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm like, these are just xenomorphs. You're already fighting an uphill battle when you have that going on. but I wanted it so that I could see like, oh, my God, Eureka, I see what's going on fully here. I want to get involved and maybe read some backup stuff. But I do think this is just for, I mean, 100 percent for people who have read the Declan Shelby stuff. Yeah, like that, I remember messaging you saying like, yeah, you're not going to like this. And it's like, yeah, it, it's definitely I mean, it technically is a standalone, but technically all prequels are standalone. You're not going to get it, though. Like if you go right now and try and watch the prequel to uh, Aliens, you know, like uh, Prometheus. You're not going to understand the references and the callbacks or whatnot, or I say callbacks, the call forwards, whatever the hell you want to call them, the the references that are going to eventually happen. And that's the thing. When you, when you end up getting a prequel that's done after the fact, like, okay, well, we had this, this, oh, now we're going to, sh-. then it relies on everything you saw. If you end up yeah. starting with that first thing, if this was the first issue, and I go in and I'm like, I don't understand, what's this? And you're like, nobody knows, we'll figure it out later. That's when it works out better, obviously, for most people because it's a jumping on. This still could be looked at as a jumping on point. You could read this and then start reading. And maybe that's the. It's a weird play because the new yeah. series is coming, but maybe you put this out. So I get so damn confused that I end up going back to the Declan Shelby series after this. And actually, I do catch up. And now, oh, a new series is out and it'll work out. Yeah. Well, I, I really hope that when they release the trade paperback for this, they release the annual in the front. They They need to. They should. I, I actually do appreciate when they end up doing that. That happened uh, in the DC side where you had a lot of the new 52 trades because some of those zero issues, they worked a little different with things. You end up having some things switched around and stuff that I like. But but by the end, you tell me <laughs> when we go from here, what does this does this? Well, I can't. It's a prequel. I was going to say, what yeah, does this well, look like the, the next thing, series uh, that, might that, be? That, that was what I was going to say. There is something, though, because what it is, it shows, you know, at towards the end, it shows where the humans get off, but then it also shows afterwards where the uh, facility is destroyed, and that's after they do three time jumps at the very end. They, like, they show 
the uh, research team getting there. They show the reach, uh, research base getting destroyed from the previous series. And then they show one more where that creature wakes up, that giant-ass snow crab. And that's supposed to be what comes next. It's weird because I did look through there and not one point did I see anybody getting off. Oh, my. <laughs> but you end up like, like you said, you have that big creature and that looks pretty. The funny thing is I'm like, look at that creature. It's got a big tattoo. Oh, oh wait. Oh, that's a xenomorph it's in just there. The, the little uh, alien chestburster is smiling in there. And I'm just like, I don't know if I like that. But yeah, okay. he, is, he is smiling. And then you're like, oh, my God, I wish that these things were not pro-life. It seems like they are. They're going to end up bringing that. But look at that. He's like in there taunting in there. <laughs> like, yeah. Look at that guy. Uh, but that's kind of cool. I, again, I, I do appreciate when you have something that a certain, you know, bunch of fans would really, really get into. It's just it's tough. It's tough for yeah. me to even comment on. I'm not even going to give a score. I'm going to give a score. OK, yeah. well, yeah, I want you to give a score, but yeah. I have no context to give a score. What would you yeah. give it? I'm I'm going to give it a seven. And the only reason I'm giving it that high is just because it does give you the necessary context you need for that previous series. It should not have been released here, though. It should have been released earlier, but at least they're doing it. At least we're getting the context because, you know, there's too many writers out there who's like, oh, well, they'll figure it out on their own. And it's like, no, no, no. You need to explain to me what this bullshit is. And I guess the deal, you get the context that you should have gotten before, but now you get it because it's going to be even more context as the next series comes, especially with yeah. that ending. So you'll be ready for it. And maybe, just maybe, maybe I'll deal with, maybe we'll do that series. We'll see when it comes out. Please, please, can we do it? Just make my stupid jokes as always. I'll <laughs> do it with or joke. without you, Jim. I'll do it with or without you. Well, you say that. What are you, Bono? Maybe we can do that. Maybe you can. No, if, if if it comes out and you're interested and it's decent, we'll do it. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm going to be in there for the long haul. If I end up getting real, like, I don't know what's going on. I, I feel embarrassed at points. I'm like, I have nothing to say except stupid jokes about humans getting off. That's all I bring yeah. to the table with this because I have no idea. Well, you know, we got Batman Beyond Mark. Why can't I be AVPZ? <laughs> You, you can certainly be that. Aliens and Predators, I am your man. It's this weird annuals week because we're going to go off now to finish the podcast with me and Greg doing another annual. We'll be doing the Ghost Rider annual. Now, now which is one. better, Jim, Ghost Rider or Alien? Well, I knew what was happening in Ghost Rider, but that was okay. still kind of nonsense. I actually could give a score. It wasn't great, but I still gave a score. But we'll go into that. Thanks for joining me, Zach, as no always. Problem. And off to a Ghost Rider. All right, and I'm going to end things off with my man, Gray. What up, Gray? Hey, Jim. How's it going? Are you in the Halloween spirit yet? Oh, I'm in the Halloween spirit. I, I might even go to the Spirit of Halloween store later and, you know, get a costume, which I won't because I, I'm too old for that. My kids are all too old. They tried to trick-or-treat last year, and they kind of got bad looks. But one of the things that they had was when you had the shutdown and things like that, you had a lot of people that would just you put the candy out on the porch in bowls and my jerk off kids would just go and grab like 800 pieces of candy start giggling running away <laughs> they're just jerks they're i yelled at them so much and then i ate all their candy is what i ended up doing here we are we uh continue what is an annuals week it seems at marvel i i don't get it but this one is a little bit more you know substance and meat to it at least than the alien one not that this is the greatest thing ever. Uh, it's the Ghost Rider Annual Number One, written by Ben Percy, which is cool that you just get the regular writer. A lot of times when you get these annuals, you'll grab somebody else come in. 
you know, we, we could have been so lucky to have like a, a Stephanie Phillips or something like that, right? That's so annoying when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I thought you meant the rim shot there. <laughs> yeah. Usually when you get. I these, did. <laughs> I, I can say that in this one, at least it, it fits the, the series. And also, you do get little bits here and there. It's not like a lot of times, too, not only just getting a different writer, but you'll get the side story of something that's not even involved, like Johnny won't even be here, Talia War. At least you're getting the characters. It fits. It's just not much of a story, right? I mean, it's, it's really not. It's very not light, much. isn't it, Jim? Like you say, it's just like kind of, yeah, a one-off Halloween special. But I did like that. I did like the fact that Talia was in it. I'm just kind of getting to know. I've got I quite, like Talia. I've got into the Ben Percy run now recently. I found it. It's probably one of the best, the best horror comics for Marvel. But I know that's not saying much. It's like, here's the thing, and some of the books at Marvel kind of fit this. A lot of people go over the moon. On Moon Knight, I didn't even mean to make that joke. I'm not even going to hit a, a rim shot for that. But it, the thing is, it kind of ends up to me being more consistent, just like this one. It's what it is. It's consistent each month. You know what you're going to get. And again, there's something to that. There's a lot of bad books all around. At least, you know, Ben Percy's pretty consistent with this. The art always is horrific. All of that stuff. And I mean that in a good way. But yeah, we go into this. I'll give you the credits. It is the Halloween spirit. Tell you, I wish that Ben Percy had a bit of a sense of humor. You ever see that guy? I think that he ends up charging people a million dollars for one smile from him. I've rarely seen this guy smile. He looks so angry all the time. His profile picture. Yeah, he's scary, isn't he? On the uh, on the quite a lot of the sides. You have to see. Or actually hear him talk. That guy has like the uh, gravelly, low voice, like from the pits of hell. Benjamin Percy writing. Art by Danny Kim. Colors by Jim Campbell. Letters by DC's Travis Lanham. Of course, since it's a scary Halloween story, we're in Salem, Massachusetts, because that's where you go. And you have the hood show up in town with a few days to thrill. He ends up where he goes and pays a, a fella. A visit, somebody that he's been trying to get a book from, you know, pretty much straight out of the Evil Dead. I mean, you're not even pretending it isn't. The Necromonicon, or however you pronounce it. I always say it wrong, but basically that's it. He ends up going and forcing this guy to give him this book, and now he's going to raise the spirit of Halloween and turn all of his cronies into demons, turn this, well, turn Salem into pretty much hell on earth while you have that going on. And the, and the art's pretty cool, right? I mean, it is a neat kind of thing. I really just think that at points you can kind of, you know, play this a little lighter. I know that it is a scary story, but you're throwing a lot of things in here that to me I kind of giggle when I see them. You even have where Talia, when her and Johnny Johnny's carving a pumpkin and she's watching Halloween on the TV, like, play it up a little. Have a little bit of fun here, but it's not really that sort of story but i do like the art how about you yeah it's um as you say it's pretty basic but it's not as dark and um, gruesome as the main book but I, i'm not sure danny kim i don't know if you know him jim know his work from anything no i don't i don't either no but i do like that scene with him tally you just saying then um where the said say, in the motel watching tv there's a great line isn't the way of johnny saying are you gonna leave candy for the kids and she says only the ones with arsenic and razor blades in them I guess, that. That, I guess that's a joke that like, Again like, But Talia, like Talia Warroad Who I do like but seriously 
going from what we just saw in the series of her yeah. actual origin and background, that plays out less of a joke. <laughs> Actually, you're right. You're right. You better watch out because she will kill kids. But in that, I mean, I keep saying this is a joke deal. I guess this is Ben Percy's sense of humor. He just isn't a real over-the-top funny guy because Johnny's carving a puppy. He's like, hey, you like this? And I had to look at it. I'm Oh, it's 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 the ghost right. I'm like, why is he doing a Punisher? Puppy? I thought it was a Punisher. Yeah, it's a big weird, you know, the one that's being cancelled now. Yeah, why is he into the Punisher? What's what's going on? So you end up having that, and all of a sudden, you both Talia and Talia and Johnny kind of activate spiritual deal. They sense this danger, and the door just gets destroyed down. And and leading it, you would think that oh my god, it's it's the hood, it's one of his yeah, guys. Yeah, what is it? Zombies. And so it's Elsa. It's Elsa Bloodstone. Who? Yeah, we've had a couple weeks in a row. Uh, pretty cool. I love Elsa. So she's here again, though. A lot of this story ends up being people just hear Elsa here because hey, Halloween story. Hey, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's not much setup, is the gym. There's a lot of just like, yeah, they're here now because it's for the plot. And that's it. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Okay. And and the connection to the hood. That there's what you get, and you okay, also gotcha. get. You also get Talia and Elsa. They're gonna bicker. They're gonna. Oh, you know, you're the worst thing. Oh, you're the worst. And Johnny's stuck in between. Hey, don't you know? Don't attack Elsa. Elsa, don't attack Talia. Let's go. Well, you see that the hoodie's trying to. Do these spells. He's trying to elevate. He's trying to transform himself and everybody else. So what you get over Salem at this point then is just a giant pumpkin. And it may be like that is if that's supposed to be funny. I giggled, but I don't think it's supposed to be funny. I'm like, Look at I did pumpkin. too. It was making me laugh. I was like, yeah, is this meant to be serious or no? It's not, is it? Come on. No, I and and this is the weird play when we had the Marvel podcast before and we were doing this book, Jason. God bless his heart. He kept saying to me that Talia War wrote, she's a joke character, that Ben Percy was playing a joke, and that eventually it's going to be revealed that she's going to be so over-the-top goofy that it's just, ah, you know, it's not really a, a crazy. She hasn't been. She's gotten darker and darker with the name mm. Talia War Road and how she, she looks like she went into Hot Topics and just said yes to everything. And they, they just shoved everything at her. <laughs> but she's not really a joke. So, And I do like her. I do like her, actually, in this book. But what you, you end up having then is they go to the pumpkin. You have you have Talia kind of work away. She, had, she put, It's a weird thing. This is actually almost like doing a, uh, I don't know, like a it's a virus type deal. Or, or the idea of getting some sort of way to fight it where she reaches and grabs this demon is able to fight it, then they use that to make, you know, a protection spell for both Johnny and Elsa. It's kind of a weird play. Like, some things in this just are like, I don't even know what really is happening here. Like, why are you a lot of wasted filler, but it's cool enough? Because that's how the, they do all that. To, why not just let them walk into this, you know, portal deal, this big I know. Pumpkin, They're both holding back, through. aren't they? Waiting for her to do it. And Jim, I love the scene where she puts her hand in and when, when it comes out, it, this thing's kind of like attached. Where it's, it's eating her hand and then it wraps its tongue around her neck. I, I like these images. These are good. It, the images are good, but I, and what I was trying to, I don't know why I can think of it, especially nowadays, is it's almost like you're getting Talia to reach in to make a magical vaccination to be able to then go into the giant pumpkin because she ends up 
you know, being able to kill this thing and get away. And they're like, okay, now that you know that, do it to us, in we go. And again, make some, like, it's a great Pumpkin Charlie Brown-like jokes. Like, if you came out and tell you went, oh, man, it's a great pumpkin, Johnny Blaze, I would have giggled. I would have laughed. Eh, we're not playing that game. So they go in. You have a whole zombie apocalypse demon type deal. Everybody that's within this pumpkin who isn't protected, that's why they got their protection spell, is now just demons. But they're regular people. They're people of Salem, so you can't kill them. That's the big thing. We can't kill them. We can't. It's the it's a setup that we've seen a million times. I like when Elsa's just going through with her stupid rifle. And, and, and so all of a sudden then, Talia, she's able to disperse everyone, but she gets grabbed by one of the Hood's guys, one of the demon Hood guys, which I thought was a little bit not explained. Like when they come flying in and you end up having Johnny at one point, oh, we can kill them. They're not innocent. You do end up when the one gets killed, he reverts back to one of the Hood's guys, but we only saw them for a second getting out of a car at the beginning. Yeah, there was no setup for that, was there? You know there, what I mean? Say. So I yeah, think yeah. some people might be like, who are these guys? But they are the guys that showed up with the Hood. So You know the one that grabs her, Jim, initially, and like takes off with it? I thought it had broken her neck or something. When you look at that panel there, there's a big crack. It's like, I think it just punched her, but it's like, Jesus, it's what like did it do to Stacey her? like when is what happened. Oh, no. And and here's the other thing that was weird. By the one point in this, you end up where Talia gets grabbed. Johnny tries to stop it. He can't. They're getting overwhelmed, him and Elsa. And you do see in the background Talia getting taken away. I, because of this connection, Ben Percy seems to think that we know for a fact she is going to be taken back to the hood. And then she, Because at one point in this, then she just pops up in that room later. And I'm like, Where'd she come from? Like, was yeah. she, oh, I get it. The hood, but why? There was no real reason to get her there. They never really say anything. It's just this, you know, this demon guy of the hood. He just grabs her and takes her away. But then they're, they're fighting, and you end up having at one point, of course, Johnny saying, This is time for monsters. And he turns into Ghost Rider. You're going to have that. While at that point, Hood is still at the, the bookstore that he got the Necromonicon, and he's eating this guy's eyes. He's got a bunch of eyes. He's eating the eyes, saying that he's going to rewrite the script here in the book. Whatever he writes in blood, I'm going to elevate things. I'm going to get better. Oh, my God, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And then you just go back. I mean, it, it just goes from one scene to the other. That's where you do actually see this guy bring back Talia. But it, it's like, why? I, I don't know. There's no real reason. It wasn't clear, was it, why, yeah, why he wanted her. It's to do with the ritual or something, you know? Yeah, but it seemed like the guy was the ritual. So yeah, yeah. all it is is so that Elsa and Johnny have to get there. And that's what they're trying to do. In the meantime, you get giant pumpkin demon, the spirit of Halloween, which looks cool. I mean, it, it, it does. does look cool. I kind of giggle now as well. He's got arms oh, yeah. and everything. It's oh my very god, cool. it's going all like yeah, it's huge, and it looks like oh my god. And at points, Hood's mentioning, "Oh man, if if you didn't have this going on, it would have already ruined the Eastern Seaboard. This is the biggest baddest thing." The problem is, is at the end when they do finally get to Hood and really just get to him quickly. I mean, when once they decide to get there, they're there. Talia's there. And Elsa just goes and jumps as there's this spell going on and grabs the book and closes it. That's it. Because what happens is Johnny says, hey, Elsa, 
I'm going to fight Spirit of Halloween. You go find Talia. That's that. Talia ends up, you know, getting up at one point and they're fighting off these demons as you have Elsa. As they said, closes the book. Done. I mean, that is the. You're having this huge fight with the Spirit of Halloween. Johnny's doing that. That's the big visual. You want to have this huge, giant pumpkin demon fighting the Spirit of Vengeance, all this stuff going down. They close the book. Tell you, our, our Elsa. It's done. Next page, they're leaving town. No, hey, what's that up? Was and- a fast, faster conclusion, wasn't it? It was like, oh, just that's all you had to do was close the book. Okay. <laughs> they just closed the book. Everything but- ends. The hood gets away, of course. Oh, my God. He's still out there. You do have that funny panel at the end where you do end up having, you know, Elsa waving bye, bye. And, the, you know, you have the the spirit of the hood behind i'm gonna get you jerk like like an ugly shadow following us yeah and so overall it's okay it's it's just a a story it's an annual so if you get it or not whatever it doesn't really matter this isn't going to really affect much in the or affect anything in the ghost rider series might continue on something with elsa hood that sort of thing and you get some cool visuals, like you said. You get a giant pumpkin demon, the spirit of Halloween fighting, the spirit of vengeance. You do end up having the, the stare earlier. That's how they end up finding out where Talia is to go get to have Elsie go get her. But overall, it, it really wasn't that much of a deep story. But it was okay. It was okay for a one-shot, kind of have some things going on and have some goofy Halloween connection. Uh, how about you? What did you think? Yeah, I think if I'd been like 13, 14 years old, I probably would have enjoyed this a lot more. It's that kind of, you know, light and easy and fun for a, a teenager. But it wasn't terrible. You know, it wasn't great. It was just kind of average, Jim. We're talking about scores. I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm going to give this a six. A six yeah, out I of think 10. I'm, I'm going to I'll actually be a little more. I'm going to give it a six five. Oh, I'll be nice. nice. One. I, I have the Halloween spirit. That's what I have. That's the thing. If if I was a teenage boy, I probably would like it because I do like Elsa. I think Elsa would be like up there. I actually like Talia as well. So maybe maybe that would even up it if yes, I was a teenage a boy. But it's just a good. Here's the here's also what I can say. If you end up not really loving horror stories and you don't want something really horrific or gory or blood, this kind of does it. You end up having almost like the sense of it being real dark. And real gory, but besides eating eyeballs, it's kind of just, you know, surface level. Hey, let's fight this close. The book, off we go. Yeah, it's like horror light. So uh, I'll give it a six, five. You're a six. So not not the greatest, but that is the end of the show. I'd like to thank everybody for joining me. And thank you, Greg, since I can say that to you right here and now. And I'll let everybody know what we're going to be talking about next week. Possibly some of these There's a bunch of books that me and Gray were talking about Beforehand trying to get a list together Uh, I put Avengers on it I'm not caught up completely And it kind of is boring But we might do it because it's the Avengers You probably should do it It's a big book But But Blade number 4 comes out Me and you love Blade So me and you will definitely be doing that Excited for that Yeah. Yeah. We also have Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos Number 1 Which that's awesome Except it's Stephanie Phillips, who I'm not a big fan of, and I know that Greg Uh-oh. is as well. So we'll probably do that, see if it's any good, see where that goes. The Amazing Spider-Man number 35, that again, that's a given. It doesn't matter if we love or hate Zeb Wells' run. We're going to be doing that. And the big book for next week is The Superior Spider-Man Returns number one, Dan Slott. What's with these expensive books? 
at Marvel. Marvel, like, he, Marvel hears that people are having problems with inflation. Not as many people are buying comics, so they make real expensive comics. Six ninety nine, Jim. That surprised me. Really expensive. You find six ninety nine, and Hickman's laughing that it's that cheap. Like Hickman's like, what? Why is why is that so cheap? My books are nine, ten bucks. And speaking of that, but those will be the ones that we're talking about. Speaking of that, to remind everyone, this week's Gods number one by Jonathan Hickman and Valerio Skitty. That is going to be on the feed, but not here. We didn't do it. Jason and Ruben from the X-Men, the Weird Dose of X podcast, they're going to do it. I'm going to try to get them to do it as a separate entity, but we'll see. But with that, that is it. So thanks, everybody. Go to the show notes to find where you can go and check out Gray at the Wakasashi's Key House YouTube channel. And everybody else will have links for all of those in the show notes. But thanks, everybody. And thanks, we'll Jim. talk to you all later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.